back to the Optional Boss Podcast. We are your hosts, Josh and Tyler. And Tyler, how are you today? Witty opening remark number 11. All right, I hope everybody at home got that joke. Uh, I'm doing pretty <laughs> all right. I would say it's uh, it's another fine day to uh, do some nerdy discussing, as we do here on this audio platform we have so chosen. Uh, how, how about yourself? How are you doing today? How are you liking that weather? Oh, the weather is absolutely garbage, but... That's what we get for living in Canada, right? Ah, are we exposing ourselves now? Ah, Canada's big. In the vast wilds of the Arctic North. We could be in none of it, you'll never know. Hey, good. You know what? Growing up in the 90s, you know, that was basically like the TV perception. It's the whole world was none of it. It was nothing but ice cu- or ice igloos. Wow, I struggled with that whole stereotype. It's because <laughs> it's not from us. Also maple syrup. So to, yes. to, to the people outside who may, because we have noticed, and also before I go on, thank you, but we seem to have a small bit of an international listener base. And so to all those people hearing outside of uh, the great land of Canada, it's cold here, but it's not as cold as you probably think. Yeah. No, no not, not by any means. So, I still don't like well, it. No, <laughs> no, no. But uh, what's uh, what's new? What uh, what uh, any exciting games you've been up to last? Last I heard, you were uh, pretty much in the throes of Ark. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. It it still has me hooked on it with uh with friends. Although, just to switch it up a bit, we did check out a game that one of my buddies bought a bunch of us uh, called Pummel Party, and it's essentially like a PC version of Mario Party. And except with violence and lots of violence where you can take a shotgun to someone's face and make them spawn at the graveyard. So that's that was quite a bit of fun. We we did that this past weekend and yeah, we it's it's Mario Party. You have the mini games at the end of everyone's turn and you just try and get the treasure or the star or whatever it's called. Same exact same idea, just with violence. So I would imagine with like the sea of experimental and indie titles that you can find, because you said this is a PC Mario Party in essence. Uh, how would you say, like, it is quality-wise? Because I know, like, gimmicks run amok, but it's going to be hard to actually capture that quality essence of a good, hateful game of Mario Party. So, I would say that it it, it has its own charm. It still feels like a Mario Party ripoff, but at the same time, it has quite a bit of its own charm and unique play style, if you will. Like some of the mini games are straight out of a Mario, your favorite Mario Party, but at the same time, it just it just works. And with how many games that Mario Party actually have in their series now, it's it's hard not to get some similarities in that sense. Well, I mean, they cover some pretty broad scopes when it comes to their mini games, right? It's like roll on the ball. Or the Simon Says Flag games, the jump rope. Like, it's all pretty standard fare at this point. So, yeah, it would be kind of hard to... It's the whole Simpsons did it syndrome, right? Like, anything that you could do, you could probably point to Mario Party having already done it at that point. So it's not like it's unoriginal. It did have a music rhythm minigame, which was kind of cool. So the more notes you hit, the higher your score got. There, like there's... A, yeah. I remember one of those being um, in Mario Party, but I'm guessing you mean like this is a bit more of like an actual. Mm, 
how would I put it? Scrolls from right to left with button inputs and changes it up and all that. They kind of had that, but I think someone was, it was a 1v3 and someone was creating the melody and the other three had to perform it. I don't know. It has been ages since I played Mario Party, but it is nice to know that uh, there are other options out there. Because yeah, I know the it's, series it's, has been pretty lackluster in the last, uh, in the Switch decade. A little bit. Yeah. But uh, how about yourself? What well, uh, what have you been up to? What What games have you been enjoying? Well, enjoying is a good way to put it, actually, because I finished off Final Fantasy Adventure, and I seem to be on a journey through the history of action RPGs, because they are just swell. And so I booted up uh, Secret of Mana on the Mana collection for the Switch, and I have played this game several times, and I've just never really been able to grasp it. And I won't get into, like, my entire history with Secret of Mana here, but I'll say, like, this is the time that I finally sat down and I said, we're going to get through it to the very end, and I did. And I have to say, I my opinion on it, though I do still have several nitpicks, I would have to say that my opinion has done a complete 180 on this game. It is maybe not worth the hype that it has gotten, because it's one of those games that you'll often see pop up on your top 20 SNES games of all time list and et cetera, right? Yeah. But it is still really good. And I thought like the soundtrack was going to pull me through the whole way because I love the music nonetheless. I'll listen to it beyond playing the game. But I can only imagine how much better the game is if you actually experienced a co-op. So now that I have done it, I hope to do that one day. And the next step on that journey is going to be playing Secret of Evermore, which I have a similar sorted history. But for the time being, I'm uh, taking a very dangerous break from the franchise. You know, I don't want to get too burnt out on it. And uh, I'm, I'm playing Hades again, and it's problematic. <laughs> Hades, Hades is wonderful, though. It's, it, it is hard to put down. Well, th- this is kind of where that all started, because I like playing roguelikes as kind of a little bit of an intermediate kind of, like, like a palate cleanser when I'm doing a really strong series kind of playthrough or something along those lines. So roguelites are nice, you just hop in, you do a couple runs, you get satisfied. But the problem was, I mean, first started, they announced Hades too, and it's like, well, I don't want to think about Hades because it's so good and it will consume my life. But and yet here you are. Well, and I want to say, I was listening to one of our uh, previous recordings, and you had put the Hades music at the start of it, and that had me listening to the Hades soundtrack just on my own time, and uh, here we are. But I I, I swear, (laughs) I'm only going to do one successful run, and then I'm moving on. That, That is the vow I'm making to myself. Also, I'm doing it on hard mode, and it's awesome. So we'll check in in a couple of weeks and see what happens. See if you're still going down the Hades rabbit hole or not. This this is my arc. <sighs> I, I I can't say anything against that. Hades, Hades is a wonderful time. Yeah, Hades 2 is uh, something I'm highly anticipating. But you know what's another anticipated sequel that we have here today? Oh, I could think of a few. It's Mindy's 2, everybody! Yes, so today's topic, we are going on to a continuation of one of our more popular episodes, one that we've received a fair amount of positive feedback from, and that was our first Mindy's episode. And as much as I may hate that word, I cannot deny that uh, give the people what they want. 
Branding. Branding works every time. And I actually kind of <laughs> like the thought of this being like, I mean, obviously we're not doing it as annually. We're going to do it probably more frequently. Who knows where this whole podcast thing will take us. But it's like our treehouse of horror. Yeah. That's so cool. Or just any holiday season. And it is another holiday season. We, we'll, we'll claim it's another holiday season. Every time we come up with a Mindy's, it's a good time for everybody. And I like these little, you know, short analysis of things. We don't have to go into great depths, just kind of give our own personal thoughts. They're like, you could kind of take them as reviews, but they're more so like just casual recommendations and like just how we would talk about them normally, right? It's not, we're not IGN here, folks. No, ish. But, uh, what's uh, <laughs> what's first on the uh, on the so agenda for Mindy's today? Be, before we get into that, uh, just one nice thing about the Mindy's uh, platform that we have here is just it gives us an opportunity to talk about some very very solid, usually solid, anyways. Indie we'll get games. some bad ones at one point. Oh, we'll we'll get some bad ones, get guaranteed. Yeah. And. It just sheds some light on some of these titles that you may or may not have known about. And if you haven't, I mean, maybe we get one listener to actually check out one of these titles. I mean, the, the ones that we have lined up today, I actually enjoy quite a bit. Oh. They're, they're all pretty good. Speaking of that kind of like, you know, little goal that we've had, because I've spoken to a couple of people that have... Uh, listened to our previous stuff, and I've heard a couple mentions. I think Carrion was one that came up with quite a few people about, like, piquing their interest. Yep. And another thing that just makes, warms my heart so much is our incessant mentioning of Chrono Trigger, there it is for today, uh, <laughs> has gotten a good friend of mine to actually finally check the game out, and when he first booted it up, he was having a hard time, like, figuring it out, navigating the game and whatnot, and then Maybe a week or so later, he had told me he had already beaten it and was looking to hunt down a couple more endings before moving on to some more notable Super Nintendo era games. And hey, if we can get more people on board like that with just us discussing things, that means the world to me. I mean, if if we piqued interest in any of these games, I mean, the, these are all things we would love to share uh, our enjoyment with others, right? So... And uh, that, that's the one thing about, like, every, a lot of people know about Chrono Trigger, right? The Mindy's is especially nice because a lot of these games you probably haven't heard of or un unless you're really in-depth in the gaming scene anyways. I mean, that's what we're here side. for, right? Yep. That, that, that is very much. Entertainment, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Maybe. But Who knows? Uh, you're listening to us ramble one way or another. And to uh, to kind of cut off the rambling and start heading into our topic at hand, we are going to actually announce our structure this time. And before each game, we're going to say the name. We're going to play a little clip of uh, some kind of music from said game. We haven't picked the music out yet. And then we're going to get into our discussion. So for the first game that we are talking about tonight is Death's Gambit. So Death's Gambit is a 2D Souls-like, as much as I hate that term, Jesus Christ, uh, Metroidvania. T 
to to an extent. And it had a very interesting launch. So I played this game when it first launched in uh, 2018. And the game that it is now is very, very, very different from its initial launch. Uh, they came out with a expansion called Afterlife. And it completely changed pretty much the entire game. Uh, rebalanced everything. Redid the combat from scratch. Added more classes and stuff. Because you only had the one character that you could play as. And now there's seven or eight, I believe. Ooh. I don't even know how many classes. But I knew that there was like... A great deal of weapon variety that, like, I like how at the very start they give you the variety. So you have your dual blades, your long swords. Like, I, there was a good selection of weapons, and I think they let you pick a class along the way. But it offers a lot of variety from the very start. That really just, as soon as you haven't even played it for the first time, you know it has incredible replayability. You know what's really nice about that too is when you're picking your weapon class type ordeal since it happens like just after the opening cutscenes i'm pretty sure it's the opening cutscenes anyways pretty much you have the ability to test each class out before you actually confirm it i i forgot about that actually but i do like that it kind of gives you you know it's not even so much of a tutorial it's just play around with these controls and see how it feels which i mean you you went into a uh how it was a metroidvania but like what what kind of gameplay would you ex- say they're in for? So it's, for one, it's a 2D, I guess you could say, platformer. I um, would. There's, there's jumping, there's ladders, whatnot. Yeah. Boss fights are difficult. You can do parries and all this kind of stuff, blocking uh, in combat. You can change out your weapons during your gameplay. You can change out armors. You get different spells and abilities. And on a Metroid side, like, there's the double jump or the dash. Like, very, very standard tropes of those series. Not to mention the uh, the freedom of exploration it gives you. Because if I'm not mistaken, when you first open it up, it gives you, like, I think three big paths that you can take. And they all have multiple branching paths throughout. I very much remember uh, when we were first picking up the game that well i know you had played it before but as you said it was a very different experience which i, I actually I never beat didn't it. know that that would play a big part in it too but i remember i know the way that i went when i first started was completely different than the way that you chose and i think that's kind of neat when games have that more open-ended structure that because it's rare that we can get different takes on the same experience these days so it's nice to almost have that old school playground-esque of, oh, this is what happened for you, for me, it was et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. It, it was it was really neat because, like, there is a central hub that you end up getting to, and then that's where the branching paths are. Uh, well, the starting ones, anyways. And obviously, you got characters in towns. They can eventually die if you let the wrong people in. Very Souls, uh, Dark Souls-like. And uh, I don't really recall if there's much difficulty if you choose a certain way i don't know if like the overall difficulty scales with you because everything seemed to be on un- unless i just by chance picked the right path right off the hops so but what weapon did you anything. go with i went with the dual blades ah see i also went with the dual blades, so i can't of re- course we, we can't really speak to differences there i did kind of want to take the scythe but i i like my fast chipping kind of strikes and my being able to be evasive in games when it gives me the option. 
two, two play styles I love is if it's a platformer, I love the mobility. If it's a Dark Souls, I like the big hammer. Now, and because this had a bit more like mobility features to it, I went with the dual blades. It's it's only slightly Soulsy though, because if I'm not mistaken, it's I, don't get me wrong. This game takes a stupid amount of inspiration from Dark Souls when it comes to like how it conveys its lore. I'm pretty sure there's lore in like the item descriptions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and like you said, with the central hub and the characters who can be friendly or a little adverse to you at times and also the fact that you can if you wander a little bit too off of this hub area things will kill you so oh you you will die a lot uh, during your first playthrough anyways during your second playthrough probably but you you will experience your fair share of death but that's that's sort of the joy of it all right it's the dying and the learning but i think you only just it it has the souls you die and you lose your experience accumulation. And I think that was really, I don't know. I think it also kind of controls like a souls game too, just very much in 2d. I, it's been a bit, so I'm a little foggy on like how the game feels. Yeah. But so I, when, I know it's took a lot of inspiration from it and it was not shy about it. No, not at all. So when you died, you actually got, uh, you dropped a, uh, healing plume yes. instead of like your experience and the healing plumes are essentially the essence flasks of this game they are what heals you and you only have so many and that was another rebalancing thing that they did with the original they healed a lot of health but they took ages to actually use where this it makes it quicker but heals less Anyways, ah. don't don't want to go too much into the original because you can't even do the original anymore. Like the the afterlife uh, expansion is the actual game now, free for anyone who got the original. At least and, it's in a good way, and not like the Warcraft three thing that happened. Yeah. Oh. And I mean, it it doubled the size of the original game too. Like what? Ten more biomes and a bunch of endings and more bosses. Yep. So it's it's a pretty beefy, because I remember when I was playing it and I was thinking, I've probably been at this for a good 20 plus hours and I'm still not sure when it's going to end. So one thing we haven't really touched on the story uh, or at all on is the story. And do you remember much about the story? So the story is kind of, again, something that feels very much like it was taken from Dark Souls. So wh what I remember is the, the kind of history of the world is it goes into the backstory of how, like, humans, they were obsessed with the uh, possibility of becoming immortal and just looking for solutions like that. And when you are currently in the game, their immortals are running amok, like, basically zombies with sentience at this point. And I know that you are a very amnesiac, amnesiatic character. So as you're going through the game, you're kind of remembering, like, who you were, what your purpose was, and all that. And well, that's... That's because, like, at the beginning of the game, uh, you're essentially told the story of the humans wanting immortality, and they went to go find it, and they were stopped by a bunch of immortals themselves, and the entire army of humans was slaughtered, including your character, uh, who I believe is called Suran, or Soran. So something along those lines, yeah. And death kind of took a liking to you, and brought you back to life, and made a pact with you. So you're technically undead in a sense. So 
I think the thing that I need to clarify about this game right off the hop, death is the best part about this game. He is a delight. Oh, death is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I like, you, I like you can design. come across. Yeah, his his design has, again, the, the pixel art in this game is wonderful. I, and the I, animations are pretty on point. I to get used to it first, but yeah. I did start to grow to it. You know one thing, though, because I, I played this on Switch, and the one thing that did kind of... I, I don't know if I would say bother me, but it took a little bit of getting used to it. It's like, with the user interfaces, you could tell it's a very PC game, right? Yeah. So that was a little bit jarring, but like uh, outside of that, like visually, oh, it, what is it? When you go into that first hub area and like the waterfall and like the draping vines and the sunlight shining through the canopies and stuff like it is a very beautiful pixel art game. Oh, very much so. And so as for the story, you're, you're essentially part of this immortality thing because you want to try and find your mother who was part of this war as well. And she left you when I believe you were pretty young. And you've gone to find out what happened to her. So you join up in the army and then you end up in this giant kerfuffle and then you're death's partner, essentially. And uh, as for how it ends and all that kind of stuff, it's it has a little bit of HP Lovecraft stuff going on with it. Ah, uh, with the big old crazy chaos god looking thing. Yes. Yeah. The, the one that surpasses Cthulhu, essentially. Essentially, and isn't it like the like a different form of death trying to take the role of death or something like that? Like that's why the people are immortal and it's giving it strength. I I'm gonna be completely honest when it comes to the plot of this game. I it didn't really do much for me. I kind of thought that it had a lot of issues with its tone and there would be times like it was trying to tell a really serious story and trying to seem like something that I would be really invested in, but also it would get really silly at the most inopportune times, which did not fit the world that they were trying to set up. Now, don't get me wrong. Seeing now, death did, in an apron was charming uh, <laughs> as hell. But, I was going to say, when you find out that death has a cooking hobby. But that just makes me like death. It didn't really make me like the scenario right right it, it it felt and this wasn't the only circumstance of something like that happening and i'm not even specifically speaking on death itself but i don't know i i had a really hard time getting invested with it but that's okay because the gameplay was enough to keep me invested on this so i will argue a little bit with that like the the story was really good except when it didn't take itself seriously but at the same time the Parts where it didn't take itself seriously were still enjoyable. So it's it it's a weird thing that they push there, but it was it if you take them separate for what they are, it's really good. I, w I won't disagree with you there. I think my my personal takeaway from it is it, it's weird to say like a grading scale, though I would say that story was the last thing that struck me from this game, but that's just me personally. Stories and games can affect people in other different ways. Yes. But that's okay, because I found that even though the story wasn't for me, the game was fun. It, I, I will admit it felt like it got a little long at points, but I also like to do as much as I can in Metroidvanias, right? Yes. So, to someone who isn't as 
dead set on like the full completion experience and just wants to see like an ending. I think it has a short enough way to go about it, but for the people who want more as well, it will satisfy that itch. Yes, because there are multiple endings and different uh, criteria to get there as well. And it, and it's, the bosses it's a good are journey. a blast. Yes, the bosses are, I, I would argue, kind of unique. Some are pretty generic, but some are, like, really unique. Uh, the one I remember telling you this when I first experienced on PC, even though I'd never beat it. Uh, the, uh, I don't even know what he was. He was, like, some kind of, uh, not a werewolf, but... I don't know if he was actually called this, but the thing that comes to mind for me is a Wendigo. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that that accurately just depicts it. And he's like on a teetering rock. So the entire time you're doing the fight in like kind of a dodge, you're blocking, you're parrying a boss fight with this and avoiding attacks. The entire map is kind of teeter-tottering back and forth. And if you let it get too far on one side it'll actually push you off the map. So you're trying to balance the the entire zone that you're fighting on as well. So if the Wendigo is too far on the left and you go to attack him, yeah, the rock's going to slip off the platform and you're going to plummet to your death. Now, Admittedly, I liked the concept more than actually doing the boss fights. <laughs> well, it, it can drag that fight out, but at the same time, it's really a neat idea. And that, that, that's just some some kind of idea of what to kind of expect. Like the boss fights do have their own kind of thing going on for them, for the most part. This this is just what my memory is cobbling up of what this boss looked like. And this is admittedly me taking this direction in a game that I'm far more fond of. But it, he reminds me of that one boss in Blasphemous that you find at the start that's like chilling on the statue and he rips the head off and throws it at you. Yep. Yeah, he looks a lot like that guy, and I, I did like his design. He was uh, quite intimidating looking. You, you're going to bother me with what his name is now. Tia Pede? Uh, Piedides? Uh, uh, something like that, yeah. Spanish. Um, so I wasn't actually going to touch on the original thing again, but there was one thing that it didn't have. Uh, well, a couple of things, obviously. I'm, I'm touching it anyways. Touching. Uh, can you guess at what big feature was missing from a metroidvania game that should have never been missing from the original oh i think i saw something about this was it backtracking no the map ew yeah so afterlife brought in the map along with voice acting and everyone's voice acting the voice acting is a little campy but at the same time it does add a lot of character to the NPCs and other things that you come across. Now, the only thing that's not voice acted is the main character, which is kind of odd, but sure. Eh, it's a bit of a self-insert thing, right? You can kind of get you, away with that. You're supposed to read along. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't I didn't hate the voice acting. I did really like, and again, it's just me praising Death more, but I, I thought his voice acting was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And they, Death, they must have Death known, like, really he was good. the star of the show, right? So, obviously, give, give him the most. Yes. Uh, and one thing that we didn't touch on when we were talking bosses briefly there is after you beat a boss, you can actually go back and do a heroic version. Like, you can go visit their corpse and do a heroic version of that boss. And it kind of keeps track of your death counters and your high score with that boss and whatnot, which takes away from the serious tone, but at the same time... Is kind of nice to be able to do that kind of thing if you want. I forget I, I, what the rewards were. I want to say there was 
like weapon crafting that you could do with boss materials, and I think it was better materials for like really good stuff that you could craft. I think so. This because I know there was crafting in the game, so that is my best guess as to what you could get, or you could get like maybe different. See, I, I'm having a hard time remembering if I got good weapons from the boss or if I got good materials from the boss. But at the end of the day, you get good stuff for doing it. And even outside of that, I really enjoy when games just let me fight bosses again. Yes. Take Hollow Knight, for example, the, the dream versions. That's just wonderful. Okay, I'm, I'm scared of that, but I appreciate it from afar. I will try it <laughs> one day, but for right no, not, now... No, not God Home. I mean, I mean the, the dream versions. Oh, right, yeah. right. Um, so, do you remember much of the bosses? Because it has been a, a, quite a while since we played this. Like, it's it's been well over a year or so. And we've played mm. a lot of things the past couple of years. It it has been a bit. I know there's a couple that uh, come to mind. So, there's that, like, owl boss at the very start. I'm pretty sure it's the one that's intended to be the first boss of the game. There's... Yep. The teeter-totter guy, as we mentioned before, there was, uh, I want to say, like, it was like a phoenix lancer. Like, it was like a woman with a lance. Oh, no, I think she was actually an NPC who would come and help you from time to time and you could find a town. But there was a, a giant armor. Uh, there was this weird mutant-looking thing, and that was in, there's a... Very cha- very different setting. That's all I'll say without getting spoilery in it. But it had the interesting gimmick of, like, the electrical gates that you had to trigger while you were fighting it. Yep. And outside of that, again, it's been a while, but also there was a lot of bosses in that game. Yes, there, there's so, a good 20-something bosses in the game. So if, if you like boss fights, it is a game that is easy to recommend. I'd say, overall, the combat was pretty solid. So I'm going to get into one of the bosses. Uh, It is a later on boss, but just the whole weirdness behind it, I just, I I loved. And it's kind of terrifying when you first get there because you're in a really like hallucinogenic kind of spot. You don't know what's going on. It's very nightmarish. And this is where part of the uh, HP Lovecraft stuff comes in. But it's Thalamus, the other like, chaotic death version and it's just he has you in the palm of his hand and he summons minions that will suck the blood out of you he's it's just this black and white monster just smiling with these giant teeth that are twice the size of you and he'll summon moves where the screen splits into four pieces and jumbles up so when you head to the left or right of each of the panels, it'll bring you to one of the other four, uh, other three panels, not directly beside. And then some of them are going to be anything in there is going to die. So you really have to swap between that. And there's just all this kind of crazy stuff going on along. And to give it just that more nightmare feel is if you go into your inventory, all your stats are renamed. And all your item descriptions and stuff are all jumbled up nonsense. See, and I the remember the boss says, fight, but I don't remember that part of it. No? So the zone it says you're in is just nightmare. And your stats read, you have already failed blank and blank. Oh, no way. So I'm not going to give the names or anything just to save story bits out of that without being too spoilery. 
and I'm leaving a lot of stuff out of this fight because there's so much stuff that goes on. But it is like very, it, it's not so much like gory or anything. It's just very unsettling. Now, something with that boss, because we, we talked about him earlier a little bit. One thing that I think is absolutely hilarious is, have you ever watched a speed run of this game? Can't say that I have, no. So the devs have put in a little thing for speedrunners that if they get to point X within less than an hour, they get a special cutscene. And you don't have to do this cutscene. You can skip right over it so it doesn't trigger or anything. So you still can speedrun. But they get a little cutscene with uh, Thalamus. And he just sits there and he's like, oh, you've reached here already. You speedrunners, you didn't even go to X and it starts listing off places that you didn't bother doing. Okay, that is that is a very charming detail. And, and though I did complain about the whole tonal shift, I think it works well in a situation like that. Yes. And then he's just like, you speedrunners disgust me. Fucking nerds. No other <laughs> F-bomb in the game except for that moment. Oh, that's a bit... <laughs> I don't know why, but that gives me strange vibes of like Cranky Kong berating you. Yes. Yeah. Very I like much that. so. Except this is the chaotic death HP Lovecraftian monster. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Oh dear. All right. Well. So so, what, so what, what would you say? Like your your personal feelings on this game are like how how much how would you say you enjoyed it? You know what. I, I quite enjoyed it when I played it. I, I thought it was very good. I did have some gripes with it. Um, but when I was getting my notes for this episode, not that I have many notes or anything, it made me really want to go back to it. Quite honestly. I can see that. I, I was getting a bit of that vibes too when I was checking out some footage just to kind of get a bit of a refresher on it. I will say though, it's not... When I finished it, I had this feeling that I will replay it one day, but I'm not like in a rush. rushing to, right? Yeah. yeah. Because it was it was pretty big. It was. But that said, I it and me with Metroidvanias, it's always the case where they they usually take most of my attention when I am playing them. Yep. And this one was no different. Like it was very much something that I stuck with and had a good time with throughout. And it's... Uh, Metroidvanias are just always a joy with all the exploration. And it's just, it's not a matter of are you going to, it's a matter of when. That, that would be a good wave. So I would say it's a solid enough time. Nowhere near the top of my list, which, oh, for some reason when I was thinking about this game, I was thinking about like the obligatory like ranking of all the Metroidvanias I have for my Switch. Oh, that's a scary task. Stay tuned. <laughs> we might do that one day. Maybe. Oh, but it's not near the bottom by any means. I would say it's you know it's like a like a positive average in my mind for what I've played. I, I'd say it was above average, but not the best by any means. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good way to uh, give it up. But as like a new experience to someone, I would completely recommend this. Yes, yeah. uh, especially if if you like the the genre style. But oh, with, you, with you were going because... to mention. Hold on, yes. before you get to that, what's it for? Yes. So I was just going to say we've we've spent a little long on the first one. So let's let's get the move on. So if you are interested in Death's Gambit, it is available on Steam, Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation stores. Unfortunately, it is not on Game Pass. 
So with that said, let's move into the next game. What is it, Tyler? Oh, our next game is going to reel things back from all this doom and gloom of Death's Gambit. And this is a game called A Short Hike. Now, have you ever just not known what to play and just had this feeling that you want to do something, but you don't want to feel pressured to do it? You just want to kind of kick back, relax? What what kind of games would you do if you were in just a very relaxing mindset? A short hike, 100%. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> having, have, having played it now, yes, very much so. It, oh, I don't know what better way to play First of all, before I even start talking about what the game is, the first time I saw this game, it immediately grabbed my attention with its deliberate art style of trying to look like a Nintendo DS game. Like, the very early Nintendo DS games that were going for a 3D look, but it wasn't, like, polygonal. It was, like, pixelated and really chunky. So, it it sounds like a weird comparison because the games are nothing alike. But... If you've ever seen like Animal Crossing on the DS, it's I would very say that's a very that good sense. way to put it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, oh, it it just triggered this interesting point of nostalgia for me. Now, that said, for people who aren't as keen on such a visual style because it is rough looking, but it is intentionally lo- rough looking, I do like the fact that you can actually sharpen the vid- uh, visuals to look a little bit clearer, right? Yep. But with that, it's, out it's, of the it's way, always welcomed. It's very welcome. But as for what the game is itself, so you are a bird. I don't know what kind of bird, but a bird. Purple. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like a crow or a magpie or something. Just a, a cartoony, anthropomorphic looking bird. And you go on a vacation to Hawk Peak. And it is just a beautiful little kind of resort, kind of. If, if you ever went on a camping trip to somewhere that wasn't too populated or anything with just a bunch of fun activities, it really captures that kind of experience, right? Yeah, and it, it's it's very different from anything I've really experienced before. And quite honestly, I would never have found myself enjoying a game like this until I actually got it. It, it looks so adorable. I've heard lots about it. So it's, I, I took it on a chance that when I got it, it's... It's going to be enjoyable. And honestly, if, if you're looking for digital, unlike us, it is pretty cheap. It's like, what? Eight ten dollars? Yeah. Ten, ten Canadian. Yeah. So it's oof, pl- plenty affordable for uh, the thing that it is. And now that so, you have tried it, it's kind of hard not to recommend it to everybody who plays games, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think everyone should at least experience it. It's not a long playthrough. It is very short. But it is one of those games that you can just go as comfort food. Like, you can beat this game as fast as 45 minutes. It's, it's not long at all. And usually that's the downfall of games. It is perfect for this. Well, not so, only that, though. You don't have to. Yeah, And I think that's you, one of you, the big messages of the game. Yeah, it, it, it pretty much teaches you not to be in a rush. Just enjoy and explore and check out a world and take in the sights 
And that's that's kind of its big uh, big point to it, really. So like well, the the no, bird yeah. is named Claire, who's anxiously waiting for a phone call but has no cell service, and that's when her aunt, who is actually the park ranger, suggests that you actually climb to the peak of the mountain in the park, which is something that's stated that doesn't get done very often, but it's always something people want to do. That's why they go to Hawk Peak. It's also the is only it? place with cell signal. Yes. So it's, it's the only place that she can anxiously await her cell phone. And it sounds like a little ch- uh, like gimmicky reason. It's not the story that you're here for. It is the journey. And the journey is all this game is, is just seeing the different things going on. It is a living, breathing park. You have marathon runners. You have campers. You have people who are trying to accomplish the same goal as you. You have bug catchers and people on the beach and just all sorts of stuff. And it sounds maybe kind of lame, but I assure you it is not. I actually kind of like the whole, it, well, first of all, it very much speaks to the times. But I like the fact that the catalyst of the journey is, yeah, go to the top of the mountain because that's where you can make your cell phone call, right? And this game really evokes those feelings. Again, I, to anyone who's ever been like on a childhood camping trip or any kind of like multiple day holiday, and if you remember those times where you meet just some other random kid and you're like best friends for like those three days and you're like, we'll be friends forever and then you never see them again for the rest of your life. But you'll always cherish those things that you did while you were on that trip, right? I feel like that's the experience this game really captures. Because yeah. you are walking to your main objective, which is to get to the top of the mountain, but you'll stumble across someone along the way. For example, the one thing, I think the most standout kind of character interaction for me with the game is uh, when you get to finally get the fishing rod, which if you like fishing <laughs> in games, it has it. All good games do. And, you know, you're like, I've never really fished before. It's like, here, have a fishing rod. And then so you cast your line in. And it's just like, so what do you do? And he's just, what What do you mean? You do this. It's like, you just sit here and wait? Yep. And it's kind of a nice little lesson of, you don't have to be impatient. Just let good things come, right? The, the whole game's idea and philosophy seems to be just take in the sights and scenery and just relax for once. I also like how it's a game that it's going to let you accomplish it no matter what. So... To get into the actual gameplay itself, you are a bird, and you you have limited stamina, and the stamina is represented by these golden feathers, and it gives you your first one right away. So with a golden feather, you are now allowed to do a double jump, or you also have the option to climb in this game, which uses less stamina than a double jump, but climbing is still pretty taxing, and it will slowly drain as you climb because, again, you only have so much stamina. So the whole goal of the game is to acquire more of these feathers so then you can eventually have the strength to ascend Hawk Peak however you may choose to do so. There's all sorts of ways to get to the top of that mountain. And the game basically says, figure it out in the best way possible. And your own curiosity will be your guide in this game. You're going along, right? And you find someone who's just like, I... I'm looking for my watch. You're like, well, I'm not going to go on a quest essentially, but hey, if I find your watch, I'll let you know. And you're going about, you see someone, what are you doing? I'm collecting shells. Do you want to get me some shelves? 
uh, or climbing rock. You just see people going about their business, right? The tyrannical frog who's creating the sandcastle town. <laughs> oh, the or characters the are very that lost charming. Their, the, the character that lost their uh, camping permit. Yep. And he's just like, yes, I have one. No, you can't see it. And just tries to make up every lie thinking that you're a ranger. And then eventually says, fine, don't tell anyone I'm here. I lost my, my permit. And gives you like yep. fishing bait. And, and well, that's more incentive to go fishing. And then you can later on find his uh, permit and bring it back to him. Like a lot of it is just, these are just problems that people are having. You can help them out or don't. You, you can just focus on your journey and just, again, take in the atmosphere. The, uh, the journey is its own reward with this game. And yes, there it's is... not the end. It's not the beginning. It's the journey. It's the to and from and how you craft it to your will given the tools that you are given well and for being such a small game there's a lot in it yeah so i'm i mentioned how short it can be that's that's 45 minutes that's if you just race to the top if you want to do everything you're looking at a few hours it really is up to you on how you want to play this and it's still not like you know if you did want to complete it i'm sure you could do it in less than 4 or 5 hours for sure but it's not really that kind of game. No, it's, it's not about getting to the end. Not even about getting to the end. It's just about doing it however you want. Because I know I put in a good chunk of time. I had a lot of fun with it. And I probably did maybe a third of what was available to do in the game. Just because there is that much just tucked around every corner. It's one of those games that I will pop in from time to time when I don't know what to play. And I don't want to get into anything massive. I will pop it in, just kind of explore. And I always feel much calmer. As, as honestly stupid as that sounds coming out of my mouth, it, it just, it calms you and soothes you. Well, and it has everything that could possibly do that in a gaming experience, right? Like the music is nice and soothing. It's got the atmospheric sounds. The tasks aren't actually stressful in any way shape or form there's no way to actually like get hurt or anything like that and again as someone who's a much more action-oriented kind of game player though i am open to several different experiences it, it to describe it that way doesn't sound all that exciting but it's not trying to be exciting it's just trying to again it, it's almost like a vacation in a video game yeah it's I don't know how else to, to describe it. It it probably comes off as sounding a little lackluster and lame and not much to it, but it is honestly like one of the most unique experiences you could probably see in a video game. I I personally, if there's anything that we mentioned today that anyone, whatever their tastes are, I feel like this is the one game that I would like everyone to at least have a look at. Yes. Especially, especially at the price point that it's asking, because... Well, you just pop that on the wish list, you uh you wait for a sale and just have a nice nice relaxing time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's it's worth looking at at least. What uh what's it on as well? Is it exclusive to the Switch? No. Uh so Ooh. this is actually available on Steam, Switch, Xbox and PlayStation again. Uh no Game Pass unfortunately. Once oh. again. So I guess it must have just been announced on like a Nintendo Direct or an Indie World or something like that. Yes. Because that was my only exposure to this game is 
And I, I mean, this is my primary platform, so that makes sense. But as far as I'm aware, it was a Switch game, true and true. So that's nice to know that it is actually available by other means. Yep. So whatever platform you, you enjoy, it is around. Yeah. Um, Anything else any, on a short hike? I was just going to say, any final thoughts? I mean, my personal, if I, if I had to sum up this game in two words, it would be wholesome and relaxing. But uh, I think that wraps up I, my that, thoughts on it for the most part. That tightens that package neatly. A, a short ramble about a short hike. But uh, how about a nice, nice tonal shift? Uh, what do we got next? Well, I think we should return to some death after that nice relaxing thing. And uh, head on to death's door. That there's a lot of things that it could be. It that that whenever you die, it just gives this incredibly jarring screen cover that just says death. Yes. <laughs> it looks you, almost like a JPEG just plastered it. on. Oh, it's so I you, I you really like this up. game. Yeah. Oh, I I'm excited about this one. Yeah, so, you, you know what I really enjoyed about the game? The fact that there is a well, there, I mean, crow, yes, why not? But just the fact, and this is going to spoil it for anyone who goes into this, but I, I, I honestly don't care. This, this made me smile so much. Is just the character, an NPC who's a friend called Pothead, and he has a pot for a head, and he eats soup out of it and offers you, it to other people. Would you be shocked to know that you've already spoiled that to our audience? I think I have, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, th- I, I think disagree. I knew this, but if they haven't heard that episode, go listen to it. Know. It's good. I don't remember which one it was. They'll it was have to do a memories. treasure hunt. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Actually, okay. maybe it was. Who knows? <laughs> but so, Death Door. Uh, do you do you want to do the uh, general recap? What uh, what this is about? So, Death Door is you are a crow, and this crow is actually a reaper one of many reapers and you essentially go to your very gloomy nine to five job. You clock in, get to the, get to the office via bus or subway or something. And you go clock in, get your mission to go reap another soul. So a door is then opened for you to go to, and that teleports you to the area that you're supposed to be in. Am I about on point? I would say that's a, it's a pretty solid start. It's kind of neat. It's, you know, you, you are collecting souls, right? It's like the Grim Reaper, but yep. crows, and crows have always been very heavily associated with death. So it, it fits on brand. The, the only... Do, should I even go into what happens after that? Because it, it kind of gets spoilery immediately at that point. I mean, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Not too, too far after we, that. We, like... That that sets up your storyline, anyways. You are going to reap a soul, and during your first mission of gameplay, things go wrong. We'll say the soul that you are supposed to reap gets taken. This wasn't part of the job. 
And when a soul that you are sent to go reap, the door will not close until you reap it. And therefore that door is stuck open and you cannot go on another mission until you reap that soul. And that is the game is you trying to get that soul back. There's also a bit of a dilemma with people not wanting to give up their souls because yes. there seems to be some anomaly that has taken place that people just aren't dying. And that were, therefore, it's a lot more dire that you actually do go collect these souls so they can actually finally die. Because it is a pretty big part of life is death. This is yes. this is the death episode. <laughs> Apparently. It's also the episode of bird protagonists. <laughs> yep. What an interesting cross of similarities that we have found. I think it is so stupidly charming to see this little bird with his little bird feet tapping along and then also killing things with a sword. And should we we go into the gameplay right now? Because I I really like the gameplay. Yes, uh, I I just want to touch on on some of the aesthetics. Like Aesthetically, the game is pleasing. And the animations and everything are just... It's so well done, and going on to pitter-pattering with your little crow feet along, carrying the sword or whatever your weapon of choice is, is just... I don't know if warm the heart is the right term, but I'm going to say warm my warms my heart. It's just adorable. And like, it is. I'm not really a bird person, which would be arguable with some of the remarks that I've made today. But it's it is just so precious. There's so much character in the little animations of well everything actually. The the characters in this world are very standout. Like they all have very strong personalities for even like if you don't even have that many interactions with them, they're still memorable for the most part. Yeah. And the world, oh, oh, I so this game, hearkening back to what you said about uh, Death Gambit originally not having a map. Yep. And that just, I, well, we heard my reaction. I, ew, ew, horrible. I don't like. And with a 2D Metroidvania, especially one with the scope of Death Gambit, a, a map is a necessity, right? But yes. this game, which you can make your arguments that it's Souls-like, it has a few of the elements, but if there's one thing that it took from the Souls design and did it so well is the memorable level layouts and that incredibly satisfying feeling of getting a shortcut opening and closing the gap and you know opening up the map and all that kind of stuff it really nailed that formula it really did like a lot of the areas that you went to were very recognizable on their own like you didn't see too much uh, repeating landscapes or anything like that Another thing that I really enjoyed, too, is there was a lot of excitement with exploration. So the one thing that comes to mind is as you're going about the world, you'll see things like cracked walls or there's these. How would you describe them? Sometimes they're onks, but they're just like like posts. And you you see them and you're like, there's going to be something that I get eventually that will allow me to interact with that. So. As you're playing through the game, even if there's stuff that you can't do, there are memorable enough set pieces to remember that I will be able to come back and do something about this later. Yes. And, and I think that's You're speaks, encouraged to. Yeah, and that speaks to good level design in my mind. And beyond that, too, the biomes themselves were different enough that they didn't feel confusing. Oh, very much so. 
And just the fact that like things like that, like some of the secrets and stuff are actually pretty hard to actually notice at first without actually doing proper exploration. But then some were very easy and it made you feel smart. There there were a few of them that very much made me think, wow, how did I not discover this way earlier? Because at the end of the game, there's it's one of those games you can beat it and then you can actually beat it like properly. And yes. uh, not not to go too into a spoilery direction. I will save it for the people who actually do want to play this game because I think that people should play this game. I think people should play most games that I talk about, but my point remains this one I was very excited for and I was not disappointed. But that true ending, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> oh, that. No, the, 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 the true ending is pretty something pretty, else. Yeah, the story itself seemed pretty straightforward and you know there was this world that they made and it all makes sense. And then you get the true ending I'm like, I have no fucking clue what just occurred in any of this now. No. It's, so, it's, it's quite the twist, uh, quite the unique situation that it puts you in. It's, it's highly recommend that if you do play and you are enjoying, do search out the true ending. Oh, uh, it's, and it's not that hard to get. Get the pots. Get the pots every time. Do it for Pothead. Yep. Do, do it uh, for Pothead. Speaking, speaking of character, no, oh, I don't want to talk about him. I just want to say provide with nourishment. And I hope people understand that when they get there eventually. Oh, uh, he made me happy. <laughs> and as for the combat so you get a few different weapons throughout your journey not a whole lot so you have your basic sword that you start the game with and then you get some knives they do a little bit less damage but they're a little bit faster and then eventually you find some larger weapons so there is a nice bit of variety with gameplay yeah, now I, I think there's like eight weapons six weapons maybe technically there's five wait Sword, dual blade, uh, hammer, great sword, and then lastly, there's the umbrella, which is a whole... I don't really consider that a new weapon. It's the same as your base sword, but that's your self-imposed hard mode, right? Which is also hilarious. It's it's less than your your sword. Yeah, it's, it's the same attack patterns. Yes. Yeah, so, and then on top of that, so you have your combat weapons, as I just went over, and then you get, would, would you call it magic? I think it refers to it as magic, does it not? E- essentially, but your your ranged attack on top of it. And yes. it's a system that uh, a good amount of games have used before, and I like it. You only have so much ammo. I think for the most part, it's like two or four ammo. You might be able to expand it as the game goes on, but let's just say four as a, a base example, and the only way that you replenish your ammo is by landing physical attacks. So you shoot through, you shoot through your, all your arrows, you run up, you slap them a couple times, and then you're free to do some more ranged combat. And it was really, oh, it was really satisfying once you kind of got the flow down. And when they throw you in some of those more like arena ty- st- uh, style settings that come up a bunch, and you got to fight like a couple waves of enemies, it was really fun to manage the two different kind of combat styles yes there's certainly a a certain type of flow that you want to hit with both of them it it's a good time it was challenging too like i didn't find the game like overbearingly difficult at times but it kept me on my toes and i 
I really had a lot of fun with the combat. Once, like you said, once you kind of get that flow down, it feels really good. Yeah, a, a lot of the times, like when when I was playing it, like it's it's not a terribly short game by any means. It's uh, what would you say, like eight hours? Eight to ten, yeah. It it was you know not short hike short, but not as long as I. Because I would Desk say my Gambit. typical game, Desk Gambit, was pretty long, yeah. So, yeah, I would say probably 8 to 10 hours is a safe range to put it. It's not going to overstay its welcome, but it's not going to feel... Like, you're not going to feel cheated by how short it is by any means. Yeah, it's 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 worth its, its price. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a point I was going to go to, and I forget it. But uh, you you want to talk about the bosses? At least the first two? I did want to talk about the bosses, yes, because I like how they, well, first of all, they are just so charming. Like, all the characters in this world are really well depicted. A lot of them are assholes, and that's kind of what I like about them. That the the first boss that you, the first major boss you encounter is this this sweet old lady, and what, what is she called, the Urn Witch? Something like that, yeah. I believe and she so. Has, she has the power to turn things into pots. And guess where Pothead is from? There's a, there's a charming little story with the two of them, but he, he is essentially part of her storyline, yes. yes. And the fact that when you're going into her house and she keeps popping up to berate you, but in this very sweet old lady kind of manner like oh there's a crow well you're not somewhere you belong so run along now like that, that whole <laughs> facade and then eventually once you get far enough into it just you little shit and i'm like oh okay so i see where we're going with this she's not actually sweet at all this is hilarious oh it's and, great and i like the uh the kind of two-part structure that you have to your majority of your dungeons, right? Because you have the first half of the dungeon, which is to get your dungeon correlating item, not dissimilar to a Zelda game. And then the second half of the dungeon is utilizing that item. And I don't know, it had some pretty good pacing with how the levels actually worked. Yeah, it was pretty much find your weapon and then become a master with the weapon. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that structure. And going back to the bosses... They're, well, they're a good time. They're, they're pretty standard, like, you know, pattern recognition. But I also like how there's a bit of a puzzle-solving element that isn't required to beat them, but makes beating them more efficient. You know, thinking about it, this this game is very much on par with Zelda in a lot it's of ways. It's got a lot of Zelda. It's got a lot of Dark like, Souls. Like, right, right down to its, its bosses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The frog Even, boss was probably one of my favorite ones. Well, I really like, yeah, I, I really like the gimmick with the frog boss and the whole restoring and breaking of the panels and also his Cockney accent. Yes. Man, <laughs> man it's very, very backwater frog. So one thing that we didn't mention is the, the currency of the game, which is where it's souls like comes from. Because it's souls. Yes, it is souls that you're you're picking up, lesser souls, and you bring them to the guy at the counter who the I think they just called it the vault, is it not? I believe so. Yeah, you you take it to your crow consortium. Yes, oh, and oh oh, I have to mention this. I have to mention this in the lobby of your workspace out front of the office. 
there's a crowbar. <laughs> that, 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 okay, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I thought that was yeah. the most adorable thing ever. So it, it, this entire game does like its puns. Clearly, it, Pod it does a good crowbar. job with them too. Yeah, yeah. But as you were saying about the vault. So yeah, you, you deposit the souls at the vault, and then you can get power ups or health upgrades and damage uh, more strength and all that kind of stuff. So that's how you can generally progress your character in that kind of sense. And then you also get uh, different abilities as as you continue after you beat bosses and all this kind of stuff. Like you're picking up these items, like a hook shot or what? What would you say is one of your more favorite abilities? Oh, I'm going to actually have to say it was the hookshot, especially once I started incorporating it into combat. But on that note, there were some mildly frustrating uses of the hookshot where I found that. And this is one of those things that you could kind of say, maybe it's the game's part, kind of say my uh, my part. But Sometimes it felt like the direction that I was trying to shoot the crowbar wasn't actually going the direction that I wanted to. It was always off a little bit. And you have to make some pretty precise hooks to get away. Because some of those fights, they require dodging with the hook shot, right? Yes. But that said, yeah, once I really got the hook shot down, oh, oh, it was a blast. That said, though, again, just with the whole the whole flow of combat, I actually had a lot of fun with just the basic arrows that you get at the start of the game. Yep. The arrows were pretty good. The bombs were too. The bombs, I think, I got the least utilization out, which I say, but I'm not gonna lie, I'm presently forgetting what the other thing was. So am I. That's actually why I passed off to you. Oh, no. Well, there's a a nice surprise for uh, people who try out the game. Yeah, we, we can't spoil that bit. After we no. say we're not going to spoil anything. No, we, we can't spoil what we genuinely cannot grasp. But yeah, combat's fun. There's there's a bit of dodge rolling, if you will. And uh, yeah, your magic attacks, your standard weapon attacks. Was there a stamina meter? I don't know if there was a stamina meter as much as there was a cooldown. Right. So I'm not entirely sure on that because I feel like there was some sluggishness when it came to combat and like over abusing your attacks, but I'm not entirely certain about that. But you know what we haven't mentioned? Probably a few things. The beautiful soundtrack for this game. Yes. Oh, the music is just, just wonderful. Oh, this nice somber piano pieces and everything kind of fits the mood. It has a bit of quirkiness when it needs to. Oh, and chances are you probably already heard two two different songs from it. It's quite possible, yes. Yes. Uh, but I no, do, the, do you the, got the anything else to wonderful. add to the this uh the Death's Door experience? Not a whole lot. No, it's it's without giving anything away, right? And that's that's what I want to kind of avoid. I, I think we touched on a lot of the topics at hand without giving too much away. What's it for? What's it for? Yeah. So it's available on Steam, Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation. It is also available on Game Pass. So if you want to try this out and you have Game Pass, by all means, like, give it a shot. It's a, it's a good time. Avarice. Yes. That, that's my final saying on the game. <laughs> so... 
We're going to hop into our last game. And uh, Tyler, why don't you introduce it? This final game, which we mentioned not too long ago, uh, being a very recent playthrough for both of us, is the wonderful and enjoyable Unsighted. So this game is uh, just a just a bit of a gem. This this was a lot of fun to actually play through. And uh, again, like always, we're we're gonna try to avoid spoilers, but I'm sure we're gonna spoil some things on this. So I'm just gonna start out off with the story. And essentially, there's humans and robots or automatons, however you want to call it. And a giant meteor crash lands on the world. And it has a, this kind of source of power called anima, and it gives all it, it gives consciousness to all the robots around, and they became very lifelike and very almost human themselves. But the humans wanted the power for themselves and to keep robots as slaves as they built them to be, essentially. Like let's let's cut to the chase with that. And so they sealed the meteor away into what they called the Crater Tower. And it sparked a war between the humans and robots, being only a matter of time until the Anima warded off all the robots. However, what they did not anticipate was once the Anima ran off the, war, uh, off the robots, or automatons, they became what is known as unsighted. And they are essentially become feral drug addicts wanting more Anima. That's a really good way to put it, yeah. It's kind of funny how... I mean, it makes sense that this stuff is what keeps you alive, but they kind of treat it like a crack addiction. It yeah, kind of looks it, like meth. But here, here's, yeah, it kind of does, because it's, <laughs> it's meteor dust that you can actually find in the game. And we'll tell you why here in a minute, that that is very important. But anything that's gone inside you, you can't just give anima to and make them conscious again. They're, they're done for. They are done. They've turned. They, they are essentially no coming back from that. So one unique quirk with this game is everybody has a time limit. And including your own character. And that time limit can be increased because as you play, day and night cycle is a thing. And as time clocks down, all the anima is running out of everyone's body. And essentially you only see other uh, automatons. So if any of the characters, it could even be like a market, uh, an item shop, or someone who gives one of your main quests, all of them can turn unsighted and they're gone. So it's kind of a race against the clock. And when you find this meteor dust, you can hand it to them and it'll increase their time for another 24 hours. So you kind of have to pick and choose on who you want to friend up, who's important to keep. Now, with this all said, they do have, like, I don't want to call it an easy mode because it's essentially an accessibility mode, but you can turn on explorer mode, which cuts out the main gimmick of the whole game, which is the time. So you can just keep everyone alive. But we're just going to focus on the, on the main game itself. 
Well, so, and not only that, because I do like that it does give you the option, because the, admittedly going into this game, I did think the idea of the time limit was quite pressuring, but I did want to experience this game as intended before, you know, it's basically throwing in the towel on this main mechanic. And I will say for people who are intimidated by the idea of a game with a time limit, the time limit makes the game so much better. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It gives and purpose to everything. Another thing is when you are getting that meteor dust to give to people or the anima. Um, I'm just going to call it meteor dust because that sounds wrong saying anima. <laughs> <laughs> um, giving the meteor dust increases friendships with people. So each each NPC that you have has four hearts that you can raise up with them. And each time that you max out one of those characters, they give you possibly an item in return or access to better items or discount at their store or you do have like something like kind of like navi in ocarina of time a little fairy bot and it's one of the first things that you see and it uh if you max her out then she starts fighting alongside you well the thing I thought was interesting about that is, yeah, it, it's essentially you could lose your companion character, right? I like the balance the game really tries to make where do you want to try to save as many people as you can or do you think you need the time for yourself? And there, it was an interesting shift while I was playing where I'm thinking I have lots of time and then eventually when you've got like two of the greater... Because it spells out how many tasks you have, which is kind of nice. You know, you have your five major areas and bosses to clear before you can beat the game. Very straightforward, laid out, and go do it however you please. There's going to be a smarter, more efficient way to do it. But the world is up to you. And it's... Hmm. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I, I know it had something to do with the fact of... Uh, oh, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I, for the first chunk of the game, I'm thinking I have lots of time. I'm going to be fine. And then eventually it does get to a point where you're thinking, I have to beat this game soon or everyone's going to die. Yeah, it's it's so weird because just like you said, like it it pops up a little notification at the bottom of your screen when someone has 24 hours left. And I remember when I was getting close to the end, but not quite there just yet. And then it would be like a message, 24 hours left. And I've already lost a few people at this point and I've saved a few people at this point. And it just pops up, oh, this person is like, I don't think I need them. And it's it's counting those characters as expendable. And which kind of hurts when you're playing. But then as that happened, not too long after, it would be someone else, someone else, someone else. And then they just started all coming fast and furious. And it's like, oh, I'm in crap because I'm losing everyone. Yep. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to lose this guy. He's not too important because he's off the beaten path. He, he takes a while to actually get to. Not realizing that I was thinking it was someone else. And I turned out to lose my upgrade character. Oh, no, you lost so the hammer orb guy. Yes, I couldn't upgrade uh, my weapons anymore. Oh, no. Which I think my main one was already upgraded all the way, but... Oh, dear. That's still not someone you want to lose in any game, right? That would be like killing no. the blacksmith in Dark Souls. You you don't do that. No, you don't. No, no. This 
Is this no short hike doesn't have souls like elements. What am I thinking? I was just going to say, <laughs> is this the first non souls like game that we've covered? And even still, I think you do drop something when you die that you could pick back up. Yes. I forget what it is, but you do drop a little something because you want to make it back. And I, I think part of it is, is I, I think it's just experience that you do get. You know what I found very interesting about this game is it's it money. feels the money was kind of interesting. Yeah, I like I like when you find the big gem deposits and stuff. No, it's it's money is what you dropped when you died. Oh, well, this is also <laughs> true. Yes, I still found it interesting. But I was going to say how this game really evoked a lot of those feelings of playing Super Metroid, not a Metroidvania, but specifically Super Metroid. Now, why Super Metroid? Because Super Metroid gives you all of the tools that you're pretty much going to have from the start, and you can pull off pretty much anything at any point in the game, but it's not until later that it will actually tell you these things. Oh, right. So, like, for example, the wall jump. The wall jump. <laughs> I you know you have the your wall gripes jump. with the wall jump. I it was really finicky, I will give it that. And I kind of like that it's finicky because again, going back to the Super Metroid thing, like the wall jump in that game hurts my thumbs. Yes. But it's really messed with my head knowing I could have done this the whole time and I did not learn about this until the end of the game. There are so I could have saved so much time. There's a few more secret moves that uh I don't think we should actually touch on. Let no, I think that's, that's the only one that we should really elaborate on. But this game has... The wall um, jump was necessary. It was. And not only that, I like the fact that... Because, again, this game is pretty much more or less open to you. There's a couple, like, blocked routes. But for the most part, you can go everywhere at any point in time, right? Uh, for the most part, yeah. You, I mean, except for the very beginning when it's more of, like, a tutorial... Which, yeah. people, if you're going to play this game, take advantage of that area because it's the only time you're not going to have a time limit. So, one thing that this game has scattered throughout its world is these big, like, mutant monster type things. It's all black and green and has eyeballs all over the place. It's, it's very hideous. And they will murder you? Oh, they will kick your ass so fast until the very end, anyways, when... Things happen. But when you first start off in that little tutorial section, when you, I don't even think we said how you start, but you, you wake up with amnesia, forgetting everything, and the world seems to be just ruined by war. But when you, when you wake up, you're in like a destroyed lab where you yourself is a robot. Is, yeah, okay. And... You're wandering around this lab, its lights are flickering and whatnot. Did it scare the living crap out of you when that thing dropped? I didn't like it. No. It's, <laughs> it it's, seemed like it's we essentially were going for a chase pretty, scene. Yeah, and I figured we were going to be a little bit calmer from the start, but no, it, uh, it gets you going right away. It's like, okay, this is your attack, this is your walk, this is how you interact with things. Go, go do that for a little bit. And you're kind of trapped trying to figure out the puzzle on how to open up the... The thing, and there's different boxes and things that you can get for some money and whatnot. Just the starting area, right? And then it's like, okay, open the door. You open the door, and this just giant monster just falls on the ground so damn fast and starts screaming at you, and you just book it out of there. And you got to be quick. 
scared the thought, crap out of me. I thought that intro like, was a very good way to, you know, put the urgency on the situation, right? Which yes. makes sense, because this is a game about time, sen- time sensitivity, right? It, it really, like, pulls you out of that no longer tutorialness, if you will. One thing I will say about this game is it's combat. It's a little weird at first. Uh, yep. I found that I was taking a lot of hits and because it's got the stamina and you move pretty slow when you uh, exhaust your stamina. And it's a kind of game that really relies on parrying more than dodging. Yeah. But when you start getting it down, because the combat is very fast and very frantic. But, oh, it can be a lot of fun when you kind of master that whole parrying attacks and then doing the crit damage and just bouncing people around to get the distance. And it, it's a lot of fun, but it's not, I wouldn't say it's for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's not overwhelming. And a lot of it is up to you on how you want to utilize the tools that you have. Uh, Like the, some items you can you essentially ride on this certain item. I'm not going to say what it is as you get it later on. Oh, it's but a donkey. <laughs> it's not a donkey. <laughs> but you, you ride this item and you can essentially bounce it between a lot of the enemies. It doesn't do much damage, but it'll get you out of a sticky situation fast. And then, but to touch on the parrying is if you get that parry off, Depending on the enemy, they could take a couple parries to actually get them to be stunned, but they will become stunned, and then your hit on them is going to be a crit hit, and that's where your damage is going to come from. It's not just from wailing on enemies. So you really have to do a offensive versus defensive kind of tactic to it. Well, and the bosses too, which I will say for starters, though I did have a lot of fun with the boss fights, I'm not about to say that they were particularly memorable. Like... The big takeaway from playing this game, because I did really enjoy it, but it wasn't because of the bosses that I enjoyed it. I just enjoyed the entire experience as a whole. That said, though, the bosses were a lot of fun to figure out those parry windows and sort of things like that, right? They weren't as puzzle-ish as something like Death's Door, but it still did have... It was more than just hack away at them, but you could still have the option to just hack away at them. So this is another game. Uh, it's a very common trope nowadays, but uh, to have multiple endings. Yeah. And I got the true ending. I don't know if you did. Did you go back and get the true ending? I did not. I was going to save that for a future playthrough. Okay. I don't know how I found it. But there's a lot that you have to kind of do. And I was at the end of the game, so I, I'm. I know I started getting all these pieces and started putting things together, and then I don't know how I found the areas. There's no in-game help, and I looked this up afterwards. There's nothing in-game that tells you about these pieces or directs you in the right way, and it seems to be one of the biggest kind of hitting points, negative points against it, Uh, but I'm living proof that it can be done. Just check every wall. Doesn't matter if it looks like you can go through it or not. Just check every wall. If something looks off, a lot of, check it. Yeah, there was a lot of, like... And I was actually... Uh, I was watching up something on this again. Like, I did the other things for a bit of a refresher. And there are a stupid amount of developer-intended shortcuts that are very 
well hidden. Just under things like, you're in a more leafy area, there's like, you could go through the trees and find a very crucial shortcut. I'm sure I missed several of these things, but the one thing that was cool, my first time playing through it, like first 20 minutes of the game, I uh, just go about exploring as I do, and I get a little achievement, and the achievement says sequence breaking. And yeah. I like that it's become almost a challenge to the player these days because like sequence breaking has always been a thing, but it's always been a more like glitch run-esque kind of thing as where now developers are deliberately putting in sequence breaks for people to find. And I think that is a lot of fun. Yeah, that that's, I mean, kudos to the developers behind that. And just kudos to anyone who, who puts in sequence breaking stuff. Like don't, like not to glitch the game, but just have fun with it. Don't shy away from it. It's nice to know that there's shortcuts when I come back to it. Yes. And that is one neat, neat thing. So we both have the physical version. And we both had to avoid looking at the, the instruction book. Because it actually gives some of those uh, sequence breaks and secret moves a look. Yeah. But again, we didn't know about the wall jumping until it told us in game. But that was something that we could have done right away for so long. So it's it's very neat that they are very open about these sequence breaks and different abilities and all that kind of stuff without directly telling you. It's it's neat. It adds a it adds a lot of excitement to the whole exploration aspect too, right? Yes, because the game doesn't really like it gives you vague direction. Of course, like at the start of the game, where it's like you could find this MacGuffin here and this MacGuffin here, like your main quest. But the fact that it is entirely up to your own to figure out how and. I mean, I think your companion character might say something like, you know, that looks like a bombable wall kind of stuff. But beyond that, it's pretty much up to yourself to figure it out. And the exploration is so much fun in this game, but also daunting because of the time limit. Yeah, I mean, you're always on your toes, depending on who you want to keep alive and whatnot. And one thing that we got to announce with it is the dogs. Oh, yes, that's right. The dogs. You could pet the dogs. 10 out of 10 game. Yes, you can pet the dogs. You can find the dogs. You can save the dogs. And there is a pet shop owner. Or not a pet shop owner. He just owns the dogs. He just wants to keep all the dogs safe. And he wants to keep all the dogs safe. Because even though they're at war with humans, everyone needs the best friend. So you got to go save the dogs and return them to to the robot taking care of them. And... He will feed them, and then you can have it one as a companion at any time, and level them up, and pet the dog, and feed it, and have it give it naps, which takes one up time and lets people die. <laughs> yeah, the, the the interesting thing about the naps is the fact that it actually cuts away at your in-game time. I think it was like a total of three hours, and you think nothing to three hours, but eventually it's like, oh, I, I don't have time to nap for this dog. But the one thing that I really liked about the the inclusion of the dogs is the dogs don't have a death timer. No. They will live forever. And if you're hopping over big gaps or anything, it just, it doesn't get in your way and it just follows. Oh, it's just a very... Both, very both companions are, are good companions. Yeah. No, there was no, no complications with any of the assistant characters. They didn't seem to make everything too flashy and confusing on screen. I thought it was really well handled. It's and very pretty, too. Oh, it's a very, very pretty game. And the cutscenes are very well detailed. 
Because that's, that's one thing we didn't really talk about is like graphics and stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's pixel art. I, most of these are pixel art except for uh, Death's Door. But uh, yeah. yeah, another one we're, with like really stunning visuals. We're pretty, and, we're pretty pixel preferring on this thing. Did you yes. know that this was made by two people? Yes. Yeah, it's Which is a really beautiful impressive. game for a two-man team. Yes. No, they, they did a really, really good job. I think another did, thing that they oh, did have well, some help I, with like localization and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But uh, yeah, yeah, just just two people who I'm assuming are a couple. I don't know. So I'm pretty sure they are. That's some homework for the fans. Yes. I, I also don't know. I do know that the one thing I found kind of interesting, though, none of the NPCs were like super memorable like i kind of remember them but they didn't like strike a chord with me with their personality or anything but the whole time limit thing still made me care about them whether i liked them or not oh it it didn't matter if you had like one interaction with some or multiple ones when someone died it felt bad did you ever stick around for when their timer ran out no (laughs) so um so i i guess spoilers ish uh, there's an old lady robot, and she has the lowest timer, which, you know, reflecting of the fact that she's an old lady robot. And I knew I was at a point in the game where, like, there was no way I was going to save this old lady. I didn't have any more meteor dust to give her or anything. But I wanted to see what happened when they became unsighted. So I went back to town for her last hour and just kind of <laughs> waited by her. And, and they just walk away. Oh. Like, off into the woods they go. <laughs> I wonder if it's like, okay, my time is here. I want to say that that's what they were trying to portray. Because, I mean, they obviously don't expect you to do that. But yeah, at least it's better than just, like, gone. So. <laughs> oh, that would be funny, too. I thought that was a, that was a pretty charming detail. Uh, yeah, I think I, think Although, I pretty you- much... Could you imagine if you found anyone that went unsighted out in the world and there were a fight? I was kind of hoping that was going to happen at some point. And to be fair, there's some plot-esque relevant characters that are unsighted, but not like ones that you've actually personally grown to love, right? Like I was kind of hoping that, yeah, you would meet some of your NPCs like us mini-bosses or something out in yeah. the field after they became unsighted. That, that would have been really cool. And really, I will say this, this game actually gave me a little bit of difficulty. I died quite a few times. It has its challenge. I feel like a big part of that comes with the pressure of the time limit. Yeah, I could believe that. But the combat wasn't easy. No. Especially, too, if you were just out in the field and you just got swarmed by enemies at some point. Or, that can happen fast. Yeah, uh, coming across new enemies was always interesting because... All the enemies kind of have their own kind of patterns and gimmicks and ways about them. Which which you do come to learn after time, right? Yeah, it was... It's like, oh, it's this enemy. Okay, we're going to counter it like this. Did you ever use the axe? The axe. The axe. So I oh, found... Yeah, because you could find swords or axes as your main melee weapon, Right, right. So I did use a axe that I crafted early on. But then I switched back to the sword after I found a really nice sword. 
So I never used any of the axes, so I don't actually know how that changes the playstyle. Uh, quite a bit, because it is a slower attack. Granted, it's, it's based on the weapon that you, you find, but sword is much faster. The axe is much slower attack, but more precise, if you will. Very much like a, a Dark Souls two-handed versus one-handed. So at the very least, though, it does give the player variety in how they want to tackle combat, which yes. is always welcome in my mind. Now, some of those fights with an axe is very difficult because you are much slower and they some of those enemies are freaking fast. Oh, they charge. They charge real quick. And especially, too, when you get later, a lot of them have, like, parry fakeouts that they'll do. Yes. So the, it keeps you on your toes the whole time. Or there's that one enemy that always, like, dashes straight at you, but then the odd time he just, like, does a circle around you, shooting at you. Is that it's like a little sword-wielding guy? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They, they little I don't think they're deliberately bastard. named, but like my mind went to like a bounty hunter type kind of character. I, I, I see what you mean with that, yeah. Yeah. No, there, there was a lot of interesting stuff like that. And like the larger enemies, how they're not super difficult, but they hit like a truck and they take multiple parries to get them in the stun mode. Yes. So there is a lot of... Uh, a lot of interesting variety to the combat. And then, again, when it comes down to the bosses, they're... Like I said, I don't think they were the most memorable, per se, but they weren't unpleasant. They weren't no, so I, challenging that they were, like, you know, rage quit, but they were challenging enough that I'm pretty sure I died at least once or twice to most of the bosses. The final true boss gave me a good struggle. I... I I think that was the boss I died on the most. To be fair, though, that's a good thing. Yes. I'm always going to welcome a very challenging final boss. Make it worth my while. I, I think that's a, that's a good way to put it. Any, uh, any final thoughts on Unsighted? I think I've pretty much covered uh, my, the majority of my uh, thoughts and opinions on this one. Uh, what's, oh, uh, what's this? Oh. One, one thing I, I forgot, and I, I, I'm glad I pulled the cases out today. Uh, Unsighted is co-op. I haven't I tried it. completely forgot that that was possible. Right? I, I haven't tried it myself. I don't know how it works, but I do know that there is co-op in it. So, so if you and a buddy or a spouse or anything like that wants to play it, yeah. That's that's now also that a way. you mentioned that. I will say one thing, and it doesn't particularly pertain to Unsighted, but Unsighted is the catalyst because playing this at the end of last year really got me into that mindset to play action RPGs again because they're just so good, and that is what has taken me down the road to go down all the mana games and stuff. So, yeah, it it does a really good job of retaining that classic action RPG style without overcomplicating it, but still doing enough new to feel innovative. Very much so. That That's my final assessment of Unsighted. It's a really, really good time. What is it for? So Unsighted is available on Steam, Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation. No Game Pass. It's Game Pass. Well, they got Death's Door. 
They they do have Death Door, and that that's a pretty and good one. So, though I said you know a short hike is the game that I think is for everybody. Uh, actually, before I get onto that, so you always say that I am the one who has these end of the episode oddball questions, but funny enough, you're the one who started it, and it all started with this one, and I'm bringing it back for the sequel. Yes. So out of the games that we have discussed, in what order, not so much personal preference, but what order do you think you would replay them? Okay, we, we're going to do the countdown from fourth to first? Fourth to first, yep. All right. Oh, God. This is, this is even worse than last time. Because, like, last time we had some games that were okay. These are all just really good. Oh, I think I got my order. Do you? Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with. I'm actually going to say Death's Door. Okay. On the bottom of my stack. And the reason is, is because I've played it recently, right? Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be one of those games that is going to get better replay value the less you remember about it. Okay. Okay. And I, I, I think that's where I'm going to go with that. Um, next, I'm going to go with Death's Gambit, Afterlife. I'm guessing and that bit of footage that you saw really got you itching to see it, but a little bit sooner. Yes. Yeah. Not to mention, uh, the different play styles that it presents at the beginning does offer up a lot of opportunity for replay value, right? It would feel like a more or less different game, though still the same. Yes, very, very much so. And I mean, it's been a while, like it's been over year and a half since we've played it because we played it around the same time i believe yeah so it's been a while since i ch checked it out and then looking at uh just some refresher videos today before we started this podcast it really got me kind of in the mood to check it out again because i did have a good time with it uh my number one you're on number two right but that gives away number one ah. so i'm gonna give away number one first and then number ah. two so as my most likely to replay right away is a short hike. It's nice, it's short, it's sweet, and it's, oh, it's just so charming and relaxing. And I, I kind of need that nowadays, which means Unsighted is in my number two because it has a lot of replay value. It has all those uh, sequence breaks that we have yet to figure out, but they're there. So yeah, that's, that's my stack. So on top, we have a short hike, unsighted, death's gambit, and death's door. How about yourself? Not gonna lie, the exact same stack. <laughs> so it's I, it's it's a bit of a toss up between like death's door and death's gambit at the bottom, but I think you make a really good point where like death's door is a pretty straightforward adventure, and when it comes to just raw replay value, you can handicap yourself. Like for example, the umbrella, and then just not getting the upgrades right. But right. that's not quite what I would be looking for in like a quote unquote new game plus. So I think you are very right that it is a game that would do better with a bit of time to forget as where Death's Gambit is the one that I would be less inclined to go to if you were to ask me at this very minute, because it is a bit of a chunkier game and it's just not one that I would put on my list. But mind you, because of the replayability and the fact that Though I am pretty sure I did get the true ending, there's still a plethora of things in that game that I'm sure I managed to miss. 
Oh, and yeah. Yeah, just the the idea of, like, you know, because I did the dual blades the last time, I could go with a bit of a heavier play style this time. I you could, could check uh, out that scythe. You could check out the scythe. There's a couple different, like, player classes and abilities and stuff that I could go through. So, like, the level of customization really offers up a good reason to go back. Unsighted, it made me mad when I found out about the double jump thing so late in the game. And that <laughs> ever since that moment, I have been like, I cannot wait to replay this game again just because of the things that I have discovered that you're able to do. And it's not often that I'm that excited to go back to something. Well, it's a, it's a whole other play style now. Very right? much so. And it especially too, so much. Knowing that there, like co-op is also a possibility, that's something in the back of my mind to at least to possibly check out one day, right? But above all else, if I'm ever just feeling so like inclined to do so, I just pop a short hike and get to the top of that mountain. And feel a little self-accomplishment and relax. Such a, such a good time. It's, it's who, a zen game. It is, it is very much a zen game. I would put it up there with something like... So if I'm going to play something that I don't care about making progress or anything, I just want to play a game. It would be akin to something like, for myself, I'll play something more arcadey, like one of the Darius games or something like that. Yes. And I feel like a short hike is one of those perfect things where it could feel like that small, short PlayStation, but I can still, like, I beat a game. Yes. Uh, and, I, exactly. I mean, it's it's just, it's short, it's wonderful, and it kind of fills that void that we get. We, we've all experienced. Fill the void. Fill the void. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that pretty much wraps up this here Mindy's today, I believe. Hopefully it uh, it is on par with the first one. And uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Uh, any final remarks, Tyler? Death! I don't know what that was, but yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you enjoyed our ramblings as we always have. I've been Josh. The other guy's been Tyler. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at OptionalBossPC. Feel free to leave us a comment or send us a DM if you want to. That was DM, I swear. I know how to talk. DM. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if, if you want to send us a message or shoot us a shout out or anything we always do little teasers of upcoming episodes and all that kind of stuff so by all means follow us on there and i think that's it for me take care everyone bye thanks again bye